Hey, recently the news were published about this alpha code system, which is um, writing code and even winning the competition uh, among other programmers. And about uh, six months ago, another news was published about uh, Codex system, which was uh, made by OpenAI. And it was also writing code. The video that they made actually demonstrated the ability to write uh, even a software system the, in JavaScript, which is um, sort of a game or something quite primitive, but still it's a software which was written by, uh, by the machine, which was expecting us people typing in some requirements in a plain English, and then the code was produced in return. And I even got an early access uh, last summer to this open, uh, to this um, codex system. And I played a little bit, a little bit with it, so I can I can tell how it works more or less as a, as an end user. But uh, more interesting is what was published just recently. This um, uh, Alpha Code system. Uh, they published a paper which explains how the system works and how it wins uh, the competition. And I decided to record this video to explain how it works and to explain why I think um, this is um, not really in my opinion, the right direction of research in the area of artificial intelligence in relation to writing code. I think it's a wrong direction. So let me explain my point. But first, let me explain you how it works technically, how I understand it works, because I haven't seen the inside. But according to what I've seen in the paper, here it is. First, they, uh, they get tons of source code from open public GitHub repositories, like millions and millions of billions of lines of code. Then they break those lines of code into tokens, tokenize the, the source code, and they feed those tokens to the, to the machine, to the model. They call it model in machine learning. So the model is basically like a black box. The behaviors of, of this black box is not predictable, but you can feed those the data in form of vectors of numbers, and the machine will understand that some numbers stay closer to each other more often, and some numbers are much further away from each other more like time to time. So the machine will understand internally, will remember that, for example, if there is an if in the code, then there's going to be then somewhere and then else somewhere. So if then else, these tokens, they, they will be seen close to each other, closer than, for example, uh, begin and end or something like this. This model will create uh, sort of neural connections or links, I don't know, maybe I'm not writing, I'm not using the word neural correctly, but there will be many uh, internal connections and knowledge about which tokens stay closer to each other. It will not understand what these tokens mean, but it will know that they, st they stay, uh, the, the, the frequency of usage them uh, next to each other is certain in some, uh, in some cases. Then they take uh, existing tasks which were given to programmers before in order to, to, to run the competition, the descriptions of the task in plain English and the results produced by programmers in, let's say, Java. This is the, the next data set. The first data set was just a huge amount of lines of code. Let's forget about that. The next data set is the English text versus some piece of small piece of code written in a response to this English text as a solution to the programming task. So the English text is pretty big. It's like five, six paragraphs of text explaining what needs to be done. And then the solution in Java, let's say 20 or maybe 50 lines of code. And then they also tokenize this and this. So they turn the English text into numbers. So each word or each character even becomes a number. And then this text again into the same tokens we've seen in the data set one. Then they feed this stuff to the model, 
training the model, it's called training, so that the model associate now not only token to token, but also English words to the token seen there. And this they call fine-tuning, because this data set is much smaller than the previous one, and, uh, and they don't have so many tasks, they don't have so many task descriptions, maybe uh, hundreds or something like that. So they feed it to the machine, and somehow, as far as I understand, they tell the machine that these connections are much more important than the connections the machine have seen before in the previous data set. So the machine gets some knowledge, some ex extra knowledge, about English text versus uh, the code in the solution. And then the final step, they, um, they take a real programming task, not the final step, the next step. They take the, the real programming task in English, it's a new one, new description of the task. They don't know the solution, but they know the description of the solution. They expected input, they expected output. So in the input, uh, this, um, the, the code force website, code force is a code force, they uh, explain what is supposed to be the input for the, for the solution you provide and what we expect as an output. So they take these two parts and they, as far as I understand, they didn't say it in the paper, but I understand it, that they create sort of a unit test they write the unit test manually, seeing the input and seeing the output. So they have the English text, they have input, they have output, they don't have the solution. And then they tokenize this English text, give it to the model, and the model generates, just going through the, through the English text, not understanding what the text is about, but generates token by token the, the piece of code, which looks like, which is Java code, of course, and which very close, is very close, to, the, to one of the solutions they train the model with. Remember this, the solutions from the data set number two. So it will look close, but with certain variances. It's not will be exactly the same, but it will vary here and there because the model is, um, knows way more than this, uh, this existing solution. So the code will, uh, will look a bit different or a bit or much different, I don't think much, but a bit different from, the, from one of those these solutions they, they, they train the model with from the data set number two. So they get this uh, the piece of code and they, they ask the model to generate many of those pieces of code with different variances. So try again, try again, try again. The model generates millions of solutions. So the model tries to, to vary tokens here and there and generates many, many possible solutions which will, which somehow, we don't know how, nobody knows how, somehow is relevant to the English text they, they gave as an input. So we have a million of solutions to the problem. Now we need to find one. So what they do, they feed those, let's say, million solutions, million pieces of Java code, million pieces of script, they use probably Python, not Java code, but not Java, but Python, a million scripts in Python. One of those scripts may be the solution for the problem. So they, 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 they run a number of virtual machines or whatever. They have a huge amount of resources, hardware resources. It's a Google, remember. So they run these one million scripts on, on a million of, let's say, a million of virtual machines or something. And one of those scripts, or maybe a few of those scripts, will actually compile and will actually pass the unit test they created. So if you give the input to it, it will generate the output expected, expected by the unit test. So they throw away 99.999% of examples out, and with a few examples left, they have a number of them. And then they take those examples which are left, and they give these examples to the Code Forces website and say, I found the solution. The Code Forces, they have the real unit test, not the, not the artificially created unit test which expects this input and this output, but the real one. 
So the code forces tries to run this code through the unit test and of course it fails in some cases. And according to their statistics, it fails in 70% uh, in, in of cases. But in 30% of cases, it matches and code forces says, yes, you managed to create uh, the product, the, the solution, you managed to solve the problem, uh, we accept your results. This is how technically it works. So in order for this to work, you need a huge number of machines, a huge number of resources to actually try all the garbage your machine produces and uh, to, to see which one actually works, which one actually compiles. So why I think it's a wrong direction of research? I think it's not only it's funny, because in my opinion it's funny, it's not artificial intelligence. They're not making the machine think. The machine doesn't understand requirements. The machine doesn't know what's coming in. The machine doesn't doesn't make it for machine it's not a there is no difference uh whether it's a english text that describes the task or it's a recipe of a soup or it's a shakespeare's poem the machine will anyway generate some code so if you feed the machine with the with the description of a task or you give a soup recipe some python code will be in the in the, in the result will be produced in my opinion that's the indicator of whether it's an artificial intelligence intelligence or just a random number generator so the intelligence will not understand that the input is completely unsuitable for actually even trying to think about it. So the proper intelligence, no matter artificial or real intelligence, would say it's a soup recipe. Just don't, you cannot fool me like this. I'm not going to generate code from the, from the recipe. I'm expecting the description of the task. This machine will not tell the difference. It's like training the parrot to say a few phrases and then tell that parrot actually has an intelligence. That parrot actually understands when, when, when he or she says, uh, I love you, then the parrot understands that this is love and this is you. The parrot doesn't understand that. It just does, it's just a combination of sounds for, for the bird. It just generates the, generates the sound. That's all. There is no semantic inside it. The, the bird doesn't know what, what is being said. The bird just listens to the reactions we, we to, to request we provide to the bird and generates the output as a sound. Exactly the same this machine does. And only, there is only us who believes that the bird has intelligence. In reality, there is no intelligence, no, no semantic in the code. Even if Google and this uh, the company, DeepMind, they go in this direction, continue doing the research and, and continue increasing the amount of resources they have, it's a dead end in my opinion. In reality, in real world, we're not solving programming tasks. We are writing code which is supposed to be maintainable and supposed to, uh, to work much longer than the lifetime of a, of a testing, of a, of a programming competition. So what they do, they just find a solution which will, which will pass one cycle of validation on the, on the, on the competition platform. So they, they just try to find what will fit. They are not writing the code which will be maintainable and, 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 and properly written. It's a garbage code by definition. It's a garbage code and it will never be good code because, again, because there will be no information about the semantic of the code. Let me finish this. So if they would go a different direction, if they would pay attention to the, to the AST, like abstract syntax tree details of the source code, and if they would uh, somehow understand uh, the, the, the elements of this AST tree or maybe somehow find, uh, you know, suitable pieces, but even in this way, I don't think it's possible to go that direction. To summarize, I think it's, it's uh, just technically not possible with machine learning. With machine learning, which is right now called artificial intelligence. So machine learning is not the tool for generating information, for creativity. 
Machine learning is a matching tool. It's, it's just more powerful statistics, just more powerful tool for statistics. It just much faster finds you uh, the fingerprint and the huge databases of fin fingerprints. Just a faster tool, but for finding, for matching, not for generating. They are trying to tell us that they are generating something, that they invented artificial creativity. They didn't. There is no creativity. It's just a fast finding of the right match for the, for the competition. If they continue going this way, they're just leading us towards the wrong direction. It's a dead end of research. That's what I believe. I think that artificial intelligence, current artificial intelligence, machine learning can be much better used for automated refactoring of the code, for auto completion, for many other tasks, but not for writing, not for generating code. This, is, this will never work, in my opinion, with machine learning. If we invent something else, not machine learning, but some other mechanisms of artificial intelligence, maybe, yes, the machine will write code, but not the way they do it now. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned. Bye-bye.